You're listening to the Hippie Haven Podcast. I'm Callie, and it's my life mission to empower you with the knowledge and tools you need to spark positive change in your community. If you're new here, I'm the owner of Bestowed Essentials and Hippie Haven. I started Bestowed Essentials just over three years ago, and today our handmade, eco-friendly personal care and cleaning products can be found on the shelves of over 200 stores across the U.S. and Canada. Bestowed Essentials is one of the 15 winners of the Stacy's Rise Project Class of 2020, and we are also recognized by FedEx as one of their top 100 small businesses in the U.S. for two years in a row. In December 2019, my team and I opened Hippie Haven, a zero-waste store and community space in Rapid City, South Dakota. Of course, I also host this Hippie Haven podcast, and we release new episodes every Wednesday, which you can get instantly downloaded to your phone for easy listening by subscribing to the Hippie Haven podcast on any of the major podcasting apps. You can find the show notes and transcript for every episode on hippiehavenpodcast.com. You can also learn more about me on our website. You can follow along on Instagram at hippiehavenshop or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see more behind the scenes at both of our Earth Conscious companies. Today's episode is brought to you by The Futon Shop. The Futon Shop is a California family-owned company. They've been handcrafting natural and organic futon mattresses, bed mattresses, pillows, and sleep covers since 1976. All of their handcrafted organic futons and mattresses are made with 100% certified GOLS, GOTS, and USDA certified fibers, and they come with a 30-night comfort guarantee. Visit hippiehavenpodcast.com forward slash the futon shop to find your new mattress today. My guest today is Brianna Kokolin. She's a sustainability consultant, hemp hustler, and founder of Enact. Enact is short for Enact, the simple act of taking action and creating positive impact. Brianna's simple act was to create a sustainable towel made out of hemp and organic cotton that is better for the planet. In 2019, she helped legalize hemp in Florida while launching Enact. And prior to starting an act, she worked in the apparel industry for Prana, a subsidiary of Columbia Sportswear and Under Armour. She was Under Armour's first ever full-time sustainability employee. She's traveled over 40 countries and has worked in factories on almost every continent. Brianna graduated from the George Washington University International Business Program and is an avid traveler and dual citizen in Ireland and the United States. Today, we're talking about sustainability in the textile industry, why she chose to make hemp towels, and more. So let's get started. So what is Enact, and how did you come up with the idea for your company? Enact is short for an act of kindness, an act of goodwill. Uh, We want to inspire our uh, people to take simple acts to create impact every time they think of our brand or use our products. We make sustainable towels out of hemp and organic cotton, and so We wanted to show here's the acts that we're taking in the textile industry, um, but also, you know, what are acts that you're taking in your everyday world? And I really wanted to be able to create a movement within the brand because there's so many issues that are near and dear to my heart that, you know, there's, I don't have the bandwidth to deep dive, but I wanted to be connected to the people who did um, so we could have that um, shared network of, um, you know, creating and, be, and being activists in our local communities. And what, you know, what spurred the idea for a towel company? 
Right. So I never thought I'd be um, one, a business owner or two, uh, slinging out towels, but um, I'm a firm believer in solving problems and specifically your own problems. And so uh, for me, I worked at Under Armour and then I worked for, uh, ran the sustainability program at Prana, which was purchased by Columbia Sportswear. And um, during that time, I just saw the massive social and environmental injustices um, in in the textile industry. And a lot of people don't know it's one of the most environmentally detrimental industries on the planet right behind oil. And so for me, having that experience, I felt that I was um, very, uh, it was rare to be able to work in factories and supply chains and meet farmers and um, garment workers. And so I really wanted to tell that story of the supply chain and get people connected um, so that we could, you know, think more circular and holistically and not just linear in consumption of clothes and um, things that, you know, everyone wears every day. And so uh, when I was at Prana, I was, I think, three years in, I was kind of ready for something new. Um, and I had done, I had a couple of interviews with different uh, brands and I just didn't see any of the like CEOs or the um, people in charge uh, executing the way that I thought it needed to be done in our industry around sustainability. And so I decided that it had to 2016, um, the election happened and I woke up and I was like, okay, like if I wanna see something happen, it has to come from me. Uh, so what does that look like? And um, I just kind of started putting those feelers out there, I guess, to the universe and started really monitoring my behavior. And I think running in sustainability, which you probably know, is that everyone's always asking for recommendations for products. And so for me, like I was always, you know, being asked what's the best shoes or underwear or soaps. Um, and so I, you know, was always uh, myself looking for that. And I just didn't feel like there was a sustainable towel that had the performance features and was per- and was doing what it needed to do. And um, I had, uh, it, it, meaning like they would pick up this like mildewy smell after a while. And I didn't have a washer or dryer in my apartment in California. And um, I was traveling to China in 2017 and I found out about hemp and how it had these, you know, intrinsic performance features where it naturally resists the growth of bacteria because the molecular structure is hollow. And that was just super attractive to me. So I started researching to find out how, where I could buy a hemp towel and I saw a huge gap in the market. And so I felt like that was, you know, something that I could get behind was solving my own problem um, and creating a product um, with the expectation that others had that problem and then being able to really create a movement within that brand and tell the story. So it's a long-winded answer, but that's how it all came to be. So you have corporate experience in the textile industry, but what were some of the, the obstacles that you had to overcome in actually starting your own business? Yeah, um, a lot. I feel like I'm still <laughs> um, trying to overcome them only, you know, because as a startup owner, um, you're used to chaos, but then, you know, throw in this year and it's like, well, this isn't unfamiliar, but this is, you know, chaos on chaos. So I think, you know, starting out, I, I had the idea, I had a product, so I was confident in that space. 
but really understanding capital and how um, to forecast and how long it takes to create market transaction, um, figuring out who your customer is and how you're going to communicate to them, um, making sure that, you know, there's just such a plethora of things and, you know, setting up as an LLC or an S Corp and, you know, thinking about how are we, how essentially like you're supposed to be thinking, what's your exit strategy as you're building? Um, these were just like these really foreign concepts where I was just like, well, I know something's wrong with the textile industry. I know that I have something to say about it, but like now I have to put this completely different hat on and navigate. And for me, um, my family are, are not really entrepreneurs per se. Um, so like, I don't come from that background. Um, my dad was a college basketball coach. So I um, didn't really have a lot of guidance, um, but I moved home to Florida to save on cost of living to create an act. But it was definitely uh, baptism by fire, kind of. And I feel like sometimes it still is, but I, at least now I'm a little more comfortable in the unknown um, because I truly think uh, that, you know, building the circular economy and doing what we're doing um, is so needed and that really what I think COVID and a lot of what we're experiencing is a dress rehearsal for the climate crisis. Um, so that kind of keeps me going through all of the uncomfortable times and parts. What is the mission of an act? You know, our, our mission really is to inspire people um, to take simple acts, but also to make, to disrupt this textile industry. Um, that's really where my focus has been. Um, but I want people to be inspired to do, to disrupt within their own space as well. And so, you know, what I look at success in our, in our mission is being able to align our work with the sustainable development goals, um, measuring our impact, knowing that we're making a dent in textiles and that we're creating a community, uh, locally and globally that's inspired to do the same. What are the different products that you offer? So right now, um, I'm all about simplicity and not accruing a bunch, a bunch of inventory. Um, so we have just the bath towel. We have towels. So we have wash towel, hand towel, bath towel. Um, we have two colorways, which I don't define as colorways because I believe it's really important for us to know um, the processing as opposed to just saying like, this is, you know, a desert um, peach or whatever. Um, so our natural is undyed and unbleached and our white is undyed and bleached. And those are the only two colorways we currently offer. And then um, we were funded on Kickstarter in September. And so uh, our inventory didn't come into this, uh, didn't come in until this year. So we had a lot of people who requested um, stuff for Christmas. So I used um, a hemp organic cotton blend and designed a reusable tote bag um, that we did Florida-centric prints to bring awareness to single-use plastic. Um, so we have that line as well now, but um, that, you know, I won't replenish that. And then um, we just did a special collaboration with two local entrepreneurs here in Jacksonville in honor of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, where we uh, took a photo from a historically um, Black beach here in Jacksonville and um, it's a photo of the uh, founder of Surfer Negra, which is a nonprofit that gets young girls of color to learn how to surf. And so we're running that campaign right now. Um, but that's really kind of, you know, I really just want to create products that bring awareness and design and solve problems. Um, so that's our current 
assortment. So you were talking earlier about when you went to China and you encountered hemp fabric for the first time, you were talking about how the molecular structure of hemp is different from other textiles. Can you go more in depth in that and why hemp is better for the environment than a lot of other fabrics? Right. So the reason why I was super attracted to hemp was that when I was in China learning about it, um, from a harvesting perspective, you're able to have a much greater output in comparison to cotton. So it's just more efficient um, for the amount of investment that you're you're putting in. But also it uses little to no water to grow because um, it's basically a weed. Um, so water consumption, which was huge, and, and we have that impact stat on all of our packaging of how much each bath towel or um, hand towel or wash towel saves or, or tote bag in regard in comparison to uh, using conventional cotton. Um, it also pulls toxins from the soil. Um, so like in North Carolina, uh, a couple of years ago, I was out there and they were able to uh, show that it was pulling lead um, from the soil. So those were some of the environmental attributes um, that I was just really thought were amazing to create a healthy pH of soil um, and then be able um, to reduce water consumption. Um, and then once that fiber is then harvested and processed, its performance features were then attractive to me as well. Um, so you have, you know, two different fibers or two different um, groups. You have natural and you have synthetic fibers and synthetics being polyesters, nylons, rayon, um, and natural being, you know, cotton or um, a linen or hemp. And so um, each fiber is processed differently and performs differently and has a different texture. Um, so with hemp, it's almost kind of like bamboo in that hollow sense. Whereas, you know, with cotton, it's if you, I'm sure, you know, people have felt cotton or, you know, you have your cotton swab, it's very um, thick and, you know, there's your water is going to, if you get it wet, it's going to get trapped. Um, whereas with the hemp, you can, it just goes straight through. And so, um, you know, those performance features made sense for me that we would want it as a preferred fiber in our textiles. So your current product line, is it made with 100% hemp? It's not. I tried to. That's the intention I went in with. Um, but there's two reasons why. One, uh, the supply is so small that um, the cost would, you know, make it really difficult for us to compete at a retail price point that people could afford and that we could grow at. Um, so that was the first, you know, challenge in making 100% hemp. The second is, again, because of the lack of demand in the supply, there hasn't been a lot of investment in that infrastructure to create fabrics and um, that are comparable to, uh, you know, what people expect. Um, so I wanted to be able to create a product that was majority hemp um, at a price point, but also at an aesthetic um, based off the current innovation or infrastructure that exists um, that people could purchase and, and feel good about. And where are your products made? So right now we manufacture in China. Um, the hemp supply chain is only for fiber, um, only exists in China at this point. Um, so that is where we were at. I've tried to manufacture here, um, a couple of other places, but the really the technical um, expertise exists, in, exists only in Asia. But 
the goal is that with our product that the more demand and the more that we um, grow and, and create the market that we'll be able to incentivize other supply chain partners to invest in that in the fiber and in that manufacturing um, so that we can produce locally as it relates to the markets that we sell to. What does the future hold for Enact? I think it's really promising. I didn't really know that this is when businesses are built. Um, I don't think anyone tells you that uh, when you're starting out that, you know, you hope that the market, the economy is good and people are buying, but then you have something like, you know, a year and, and whatever's to come um, happen where complete, uh, you know, businesses are being going finally bankruptcy in our industries evolving. And I think it's actually really good. Um, my mom and I were talking about it and she said, this is really cool to watch history unfold in front of us. And, you know, for us specifically in textiles, it really was difficult to compete because it's largely based off of brick and mortar. And so a lot of big retailers are all, you know, having these, um, these storefronts and now they're not seeing that return. Um, they don't know when they're going to. So a lot of companies are closing and having to uh, reshuffle. And so we're super nimble. We're online. We're D to C. We can, you know, move around and be able to come out um, in front. So I'm grateful for that. But um, we have some really exciting things planned and um, we're just we're growing during this time. So um, we'll see. But I just want to make sure that we're always authentic and genuine and that we're solving problems and we're inspiring others and we don't lose our our compass and I'm and then and just being open to wherever you know it leads us and where can we go to learn more about enact and the work that you're doing uh you can go to enact.com a-n-a-c-t and then I also do a lot of posting on social media um so our social handle is enact global and I'll tell you know just I'll, I'll give tips as a startup owner, but also um, share updates about the company there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was great learning more about hemp, and I cannot wait for it to become a bigger industry so that we can um, see it more often and, and definitely at a more affordable price point, too. Me, too. Thank you so much for having me, Callie. I appreciate it. I'll be back next week with an episode about kombucha, what it is, why it's good for your gut health, and how to make it. Remember, knowledge is power, so if you learned something from today's episode, share it with someone you know who'd also benefit from this free resource. If you share the podcast on social media, don't forget to tag and follow us at Hippie Haven Shop, or my personal Instagram is at hippie.ceo. This podcast is produced with the help of my communications coordinator, Ray Lynn, who also helps produce our Hippie Haven YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube to see more behind the scenes at our Zero Waste Company. You can also support our environmental advocacy work here at Hippie Haven by leaving a review for this podcast in whichever app you're using to listen, or buy us a virtual cup of coffee to keep us going. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash Hippie Haven to support our work. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.